when it was, but I remember I was riding down the highway and I had some burdens on my heart. Can't even remember what those burdens were, but I heard that song. God's blessings come in many, many ways. The greatest is his son. And as we begin to look at Christmas and look toward Christmas, I, I want to focus on the blessing of the coming of his son and when and where Christmas began. So let us pray, and then we'll read the word of God. Father, I thank you again that we could gather in your house Lord, it's so good to fellowship with one another. It's so good to sing and to pray and to be able to talk to our young children about, about your son. It's so good to hear the musicians and the choirs sing. Father, I thank you for the special blessing of being able to open up the very word of God. And Lord, today I pray that you will begin to prepare our heart for celebrating Christmas this year. And God, as we go to what would perhaps be considered an unlikely passage to study Christmas, God, I pray that you would speak. Lord God, we know that to trust your son, to trust you is an act of faith. And to even believe for many in this world that there is an invisible God that has revealed himself through his visible son who came to this earth is an act of faith, too. But, Father, I just pray that you would help us to understand when Jesus came and the purpose for his coming and when Christmas really began, when it began in your heart and your mind before you created humans that would sin and fall short of the glory of God and that even then you prepared a Savior for those who would reject you and even your son. Father, please bless us as we study your word and learn of your son and what Christmas is truly all about. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. I want to read this passage of Scripture out of the Living Bible. And folks, I'll be honest, this is one of the most, I don't even know the word to describe this passage of Scripture. It is so deep with spiritual truth, truths about God, truths about the coming of Christ. So let me read it again out of the Living Bible. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive and is himself God. Those first two verses, wow. He created everything there is, nothing exists that he didn't make. Eternal life is in him. And this light gives life, this life gives light to all mankind. His life is the light that shines through the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent John the Baptist as a witness to the fact that Jesus Christ is the true light. John himself was not the light, he was only a witness to identify it. Later on, the one who is the true light arrived to shine on everyone coming into the world. But although he made the world, the world didn't recognize him when he came. Even in his own land and among his own people, the Jews, 
he was not accepted. Only a few would welcome and receive him. To all who, who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. All they needed, listen to this sentence, all they needed to do was to trust him to save them. All those who believe this are reborn, not physical rebirth resulting from human passion or plan, but from the will of God. And listen to verse 14 in this translation. And Christ became a human being and lived here on earth among us and was full of loving forgiveness and truth. And some of us have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son of the Heavenly Father. John pointed him out to the people telling the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming who is greater by far than I am, for he existed long before I did. We have all benefited from the rich blessings he brought to us, blessing upon blessing heaped upon us. For Moses gave us only the law with his rigid demands and merciless justice, while Jesus Christ brought us loving forgiveness as well. No one has ever actually seen God, but of course his only son has, for he is the companion of the Father and has told us all about him. In the coming weeks, as we quickly prepare for Christmas, I want to encourage each one of us, as well as the church, to look at the true meaning of Christmas. And, and I know you hear sermons like this every year, but I want to ask again why. Why should we search out the true meaning of Christmas? And folks, in the next couple of things I'm going to say, I want you first of all to know that my family and I will shop for gifts. My family and I will, will gather and have, I pray, a wonderful time and we'll decorate. We've already started. I've uh, got my outdoor Christmas tree that I'm so proud of. Uh, we're going to attend parties that we're invited to. So I'm not downing these things. But I want us to take a close look at how it seems Christmas is being looked at in our day. Christmas is more than shopping for gifts. Recently, as I went into a department store, there was a sign that had the number of days before Christmas. And I had to stop for just a second. Now think about this. And some of you that are younger, perhaps you don't remember. Do you, do you remember when it used to be the number of shopping days before Christmas? You remember those signs? Now what's the difference between saying the number of days before Christmas and the number of shopping days before Christmas? Well, folks, the stores used to close on Sundays. You remember that? Sunday was a sacred day. That was the day that people would go and worship. And again, just hear me. I'm just stating what we're, the reality of what we're living in. Is Sunday any more a sacred day? We can worship God on any day. Yes, I know that. But are we honoring God by setting aside a day of the week in which we give it to him, not only to worship him, but to be with our families and also to rest? And something else I think has happened this year. Now, maybe I'm just behind times has happened before now. But do you remember when Black Friday began on Friday? 
If you've been watching the commercials on TV, Black Friday began for automobile dealerships when? The first day of November. And if you've heard some of the other, the other commercials, Black Friday began on Monday before Thanksgiving. Stores are beginning to stay open all night or extending their hours. We can shop on the Internet. I saw this morning on Fox that a lot of the gifts are being purchased on people's telephones. I'm not going to try that. I would probably order an elephant or something on my phone. And Christmas is truly more than a holiday. Political correctness would demand that we would say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas or even take Christ out of Christmas and say Happy Xmas. And I know that centuries ago for those early Christians, a lot of times the X would stand for the cross. But folks, I don't think it stands for that these days. And I'm not being critical if you've already purchased a box of cards that's cards that say Happy Xmas. Folks, Christmas is more than a holiday. And Christmas is more than decorations or parties. Although all of us perhaps enjoy decorating the house and the Christmas tree and the yard and even the church, and I'm all for it. And for having the parties and get-togethers and eating. And on and on we could go, but folks, what is Christmas? What is it all about? And if I could describe it in one sentence, this is what I would say. Christmas is the celebration of God's Son who voluntarily came to earth to live and die for lost humanity of every generation so that we could know God, we could know his love, and know his salvation and also his presence. Listen to what the angel tells Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 to 23. And I saw a sign on the interstate this week that had this verse, and it had birth announcement. I thought, isn't that something? Think about this baby boy that was born, but how special he is. The angel told Joseph, she, Mary, will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then the angel says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And folks, what I love about what the angel told Joseph is that Christmas is a time that God kept his promise to the entire world. And hundreds of years before Jesus was born or before he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary, who was a virgin, God had planned this out and through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah seven fourteen said, these things will happen. Folks, Christmas is a celebration of what God has done for us and what God wants to do for us and what Jesus has done for us. Let me give you some more examples. And again, I hope you don't ever get sick and tired of hearing John 3.16 because I hope and pray that I'll never get tired of telling you that verse and anybody I get an opportunity to tell. 
What is Christmas about? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. Christmas is about God sending his son because he loves us and he wants us to know him. Christmas is about God's son voluntarily giving up his throne in heaven so that you and I could know the father. Listen to these verses in John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. And again, I'll read out of the living Bible. The father loves me. Jesus is speaking here to his disciples. The father loves me because I lay down my life that I may have it back again. No one can kill me without my consent. I lay down my life voluntarily. Folks, that's an important word. Jesus knew God the Father's plan even before creation. Jesus knew that it would be the will of the Father that for a creation that would be given freedom of choice and that creation would choose to sin and disobey and rebel against God and would no longer bear the image of holiness of God, so someone would have to come to redeem them. You know, I was thinking this past week about how so often when you tell people that God created us with free will and then we chose to sin, a lot of times people say, well, I don't don't fully understand that. I don't understand everything about God. But you know what? Having children and now having grandchildren help me understand that because God gave us freedom to choose, we make the wrong decision and we choose to sin and rebel against God. And I've got a three-year-old grandson that every single day I have to tell him who the boss is and correct him on something. And then I begin to think about him. He is a reflection of his grandfather. God has to do that with me most days too, doesn't he, with you? And think about this for just a second. We are bent toward rebelling and sinning against God because we want to be in control. And folks, if you're not saved, that's going to be one of the hardest steps for you to get beyond confessing that in the, in the presence of a holy God, we're sinners. But folks, this is why Jesus came. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve were sinners until now. We are all sinners on this planet. And God knew that we would be like that. Just think about it for just a second. As a parent and as a grandparent, did you think your child was going to be perfect? No, you didn't. And I'm not trying to put down our children and our grandchildren. I'm talking about human nature here. Folks, we knew that we needed to have guidelines and rules. We needed to have guardrails, so to speak, so that our children and grandchildren would not go off on a life of destruction. And don't you see we need that more and more in our world today for our children? But folks, back to the point that I'm trying to make, do you and I fully grasp the fact that God understood that we would be sinners and so his son before creation volunteered to come and give himself that we might know God and know his love. Folks, this overwhelms me that God would love you and me, the, the whole of creation, that much. And so Jesus says, I volunteered to come. And when I am put to death and put on a cross, it will not be because the world has me under their control. It will be my consent that I will die 
so that the world can know the love and salvation of God. Folks, such a very powerful passage of Scripture that Jesus voluntarily gave his life so that we could know the love of the Father. Everything about the Christmas story is about God's love for us and Jesus' love for us. And folks, listen to John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In contrast to what sin and Satan does in destroying our relationship with God and causing our spiritual death, Jesus came to give life and give it abundantly. And that is why in those first couple of verses in John chapter 1, John says eternal life is in him and this life gives light to all mankind. His life is the light that shines through the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. But you see, folks, Christmas is only the beginning of the story of God's love for us. And our daily lives should be a celebration of the love that God has for us. And I want us in the coming weeks, and I'm just about out of time, and and I knew there's so much in this chapter of Scripture. But I want to point a couple of quick things out, okay? And I hope that you'll read this passage of Scripture in your Bible in a, in, a, in a modern translation. But if we're going to study Christmas, why should we use the Gospel of John, especially the first chapter? And I struggle with this, to be honest with you. It's so easy to go back to Matthew and back to Luke and talk about the birth narratives of the Lord. Listen, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, that I've just read, there's no mention of angels, is it? There's no mention of shepherds. There's no mention of Joseph and Mary or baby Jesus in the manger. And I'm not saying that sarcastically. Folks, how in the world can this be about Christmas? Well, let me give you a quick answer, okay? John probably, the Gospel of John, is probably written later than any other gospel. Many Bible scholars think between the year 85 and 95 A.D., Many Bible scholars, conservative Bible scholars, believe that Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written somewhere between 50 to 60 A.D., or between 20 to 30 years after the death and burial and resurrection of our Lord. And so John's gospel would have been written about 35 to 45 years later than the other three gospels. During the time between the writing of the Gospel of Luke, which seems to be the last of the three Gospels written in John, let me tell you what has happened in that day. False religions had sprung up. Many had tried to discredit or deny that Jesus was a historical figure, that Jesus was just a created story by the early disciples and the early church. And folks, what is so sad, by the time of the writing of the Gospel of John, the church had grown cold and indifferent to the Gospel. And let me read these verses to you out of Revelations chapter 2, verses 2 to 5, as Jesus is talking about the churches. And there were seven literal, actual churches that he is going to speak of. And the first one is found in Revelations chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, and it's a church at Ephesus. And listen to this. I'll tie this together in just a minute, okay? 
The Lord says of the church at Ephesus, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear evil men but have tested those who call themselves apostles but are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and that you have not grown weary, but this I have against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember them from what you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand, lampstand, which is the witness, from its place unless you repent. And I hope you're saying, what in the world does that have to do with Christmas? It is thought. It is thought that after Paul and the early missionaries established the church at Ephesus, that John the Apostle came to that city and he labored in that city for many, many years before he was exiled to Patmos. And folks, listen. John knew what was happening in his world. And John knew that the only answer to the problems that his world faced and the church faced was to go back and know the real Christmas story. And folks, isn't our world much like that world? What's happened in the last 35 to 45 years in our world? Many more false religions that seek to deny John 14, 6, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father. Folks, aren't there many uh, more people that are trying to remove God from creation and also from redemption? And because the, the church has grown cold and different, it has lost its love for the Lord. And folks, what I'm trying to say is you and I need to go back to the gospel of John and hear again that the story of Christmas begins in eternity before mankind was ever created. And before mankind was ever created, a Savior was waiting in the wings to come to this earth to become flesh and dwell among us, to be a human being, but yet he is God, to show us the love of God. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And in essence, he's saying, if you've heard me, you've heard the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If I've touched you, you've been touched with the Father because we are one. And folks, perhaps this sounds just like a bunch of stuff that is not related to Christmas, but it is, folks. It is. Our Lord came to save sinners from their sin. Our Lord came to let a rebelling world know how much God loved them. And is there any better way for God to tell his creation who he is and what he is like than to, than to come in person? And you see, this is what... This is what John 1.14 says, and let me read that verse, and I promise I'm going to say thank you. John 1.14, that's John, 1 John. Thank you, Sarah. But let me read. Will you go back to John at the very beginning, John 1.14? Bless our soundboard folks. They do such a good job because I don't know where I'm going some days. I don't know where I'm going some days. The Lord, yeah, he does know where I'm going Look at this. John 1.14. Christ became a what? A human being. That's why he had to be born of a virgin. It was of the Holy Spirit. Folks, there's just so much in the Christmas story that will just amplify 
how real God is and how real his love is for us and what Christ has done for us. And I just ask in these coming weeks that you not come to think, well, I'm going to hear a Sunday school lesson or some type of theology lesson. You'd come to hear about what Christmas is all about. The world needs to wake up again. Yeah, there's a lot of false religion. There's a lot of ways that people think they can get to heaven. But folks, God says, his son says, there's only one way. And that is through Jesus. But here's the good news. Jesus is full of loving forgiveness and truth. Let us pray. Father, in the coming weeks as we study this passage of Scripture, God, I pray that you'll speak. And God, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts, Lord. So much will be going on in the coming weeks. We'll be so busy and at some point so tired. And Father, for most of us, probably there's never been a Christmas when there wasn't some tension in family or in marriage or at work that would, that would take away our joy. But God, help us to see that our joy is not found in just our circumstances. Our joy is found in the one who came to give life and give it abundantly. And God, this Christmas season, may we truly acknowledge that it's about your son. It's more than the decorations and the gifts, although for many of us, those are important things. And those gifts that we'll receive from loved ones express love. But God, may we see the greatest gift of all is the gift of your son. And thank you, Father, that you sent him because you love us. And I pray, Father, this Christmas season, if there are those that attend this church and other churches, God, that do not know your Son as Savior, that they'll find the true meaning of Christmas and they'll come to faith in Christ and they'll be saved from their sins, which was the purpose of the coming of your Son. Even now, in this moment of invitation, I pray that you would speak to hearts. And I pray, Father, that we'll truly know when and where Christmas began in the heart and mind of a heavenly father whose son volunteered to come and be our savior. In his name we pray, amen. Our hymn this morning of invitation is number 154, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, and We Truly Do. God leads you to publicly profess faith or some type of decision or just simply to come and kneel at the altar. Would you come? Let us stand.